0: Nick, how do you say your last name? Spillane. Okay. What is going on, guys? It is John and the other John, formerly known as Youper, and we have a special guest today, Nick Spillane. Welcome to Woodward Tigers. I believe this is episode 61. Raj and Chris should be joining us momentarily, pretty shortly. And we have our guest, Nick, and the first thing we like to do when we have a guest is we like to ask about kind of their first baseball memory, kind of get you know the viewers to get to know you a little bit. So. You know, what is kind of your background? Obviously you're you're a Tigers fan. Give us give us a little insight into you, Nick.
1: Yeah. No, John, I appreciate you guys having me on and give me the opportunity to speak with you guys today. So I've been looking forward to it. And yeah, just a little background on me living living downtown Detroit, grew up in the Metro Detroit area. Um huge Tigers fan, been following the team for my whole life, been going to games my whole life. So I a baseball fan and continue to play baseball to this day through um a, a men's league in the Metro Detroit area too. So Kind of mix, mix, uh, always staying involved in the game. So it's fun stuff. But as far as like my first baseball memory, I think the very first thing that I can remember is probably, I mean, I I was born in 96. So like we went to Tiger Stadium, like my dad, my uncle, my mom, me, my brother. I I don't know. I was probably like three or four years old, to be honest. And the first thing I can remember is walking into on the like the right field corner entrance where you could kind of see, the, the old English D with the tiger coming through it, like on the, on the top wall by the entrance. Like I can remember that. And then just walking by a, a stand with like roasted almonds and hot dogs. Like, I just remember holding my, my uncle Sean's hand, walking into the stadium. And that's, that's basically all I can really remember from it. But that's like the, early, I can say the earliest thing that I can, that I can remember for baseball. So, and then it started a fan. It is there.
2: amazing how smells can stay with us for a lifetime.
1: Right. The
2: the fruit and the peanuts and everything. That's cool.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean literally every time I go to Comerica or any ballpark these days, it's like that's the first thing that I think of just walking into the stadium is just the roasted almonds. So that's that's stuck with me forever. So that's and children always hungry too.
2: (laughs) Well, it's probably a good thing you're at Comerica and not Tiger Stadium, because Tiger Stadium had some other some other not so good smells here and there. Yeah. That might be a bad memory. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, tiger stadium was awesome don't get me wrong people hate me for that but there were a couple things there eh, a little unsavory it was getting old you know mm, sure so fair, tell I us definitely. a little bit about playing in the adult league what position you play
1: so i i pitch mainly I'm, um uh, but it's it's basically like a cat like a, a bunch of guys i've played with in high school and throughout college and stuff like that too just it's like you were ready yeah, I'm I'm right-handed, so I'm, unfortunately, I f- I feel like I could have made it a little bit further if I was left-handed, I guess. But are you, are
2: you bringing the heat? Or are you are you a, a, a moxie s- slot baller?
1: Yeah, I would say like I'm, I'm throwing like a, a mean 81 miles an hour. So yeah. I, I guess I I can I can You're say crafty. that that's that is what it is. But no, crafty. Is, yeah, yeah, exactly. But the the competition is actually pretty good. Like I don't know how familiar you guys are with like the the Jimmy John's League that's in the Metro Detroit area that's like independent ball. But a lot of guys that play in, the, the name of the league is the Detroit MSBL. And a lot of players either have played at local colleges like Albion, Alma, even some bigger schools like Kalamazoo and stuff like that too. But then a lot of guys that play in that Jimmy John's league, if they're they're 10 years up in that league, just trying to make a professional run, they come and play in our league too. So it's a, it's a pretty good mix of, of of talent and stuff. And you get guys that are in their like, like 30s and 40s too that are they're still like good, good players that played in college and that still want to get after it. So it's a good mix all throughout Metro Detroit. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm I've, I've been playing it for like ever since I graduated high school. So like nice. about seven, eight years now. So it's pretty crazy.
2: And when I was your age, I played adult league as well, and it's still, a, it's a great way to stay involved. Now I'm a yeah. high school umpire. How do you guys cheat umpires in that league? You know, pre-
1: pretty good. I
2: mean, I really? I like, so right. I manage
1: the team that, that I'm affiliated with. So I I kind of have to, especially as a pitcher, I, ca- I can't really bark back and forth with any umpires. So I try to, I try to be pretty polite, but, but I mean, we, there's always good dialogue. Like you, you got to know sometimes <laughs> when, hey, hey, you need a call here or there and, and vice versa. Like if you, you build rapport with some umpires, you might get a few more friendly calls. So I, I can imagine you, you're pretty used to, used to that with some familiar guys you've umped in the past. Oh yeah.
2: You hear a lot of things. There's no question about that. Some good and some not so good, but it's fun.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, overall, all the, all the umps in our league are great. All the people in the league in general, all across all teams, even though we're, we got some rivalries going, it's you, you get to know a lot of people and everyone's fun, enjoying the league and want to compete. So it's, it's pretty fun. Nice. Okay. We did have a question in the chat from Alex. Did you play college ball? I did not, no. I, I played it. I went to high school. I, I had a brother, Rice, and I played. I played with a lot of good players at Rice, but I unfortunately, it was not, not good enough to make any, any college teams. But I, I went to Michigan State, so got to enjoy my college experience that way, I guess. So. Okay, nice. And speaking of baseball, the WBC is on right now, correct, Duper?
2: Yeah, right now. Last I saw, before we started getting involved going here, Japan's up three was up three nothing. Excuse me, Mexico was up three nothing on Japan. Big three run over by Luis Rios kind of shocked everybody to put put Mexico to a good lead.
0: Have nice. any thoughts on that? I'm I'm sorry, I'm not a big WPC guy. So
1: if you guys want to add anything to it, I'm I'm not going to be much help with that. I, I mean, I was going to say I know I know that Sasaki has been kind of the the talk of the night, just with him being. This, like 21 year old phenom and this is the first time i've seen him pitch live i mean i've seen a lot of clips but mm-hmm. man just the arsenal of like sitting 100 miles an hour with every pitch like on his fastball and then kind of a wipeout slider at low 90s and then that 90 mile an hour split it's, it's pretty pretty remarkable but he's getting out dueled by saying and he's been he's been fantastic and he was really good against the u.s team like a couple nights ago so about a week ago i guess but yeah i mean pretty good pitching duel. Uh, Rosarena has been making some highlight plays and uh, even Paredes has kind of gotten a couple hits and keeping our our mutual interest on that Austin Meadows trade. So (laughs) yeah, been a good game.
2: It was interesting with Sasaki. Uh, We're talking about, for folks at home who don't know, his name is Roki Sasaki. He's a 21-year-old phenom from Japan. Depending on when he's able to come over here, he is going to be a highly sought after talent by all the teams that are going to be bidding. He looked really good right up until He he had three shutout innings. And in the fourth, he got the first two outs. It looked like he was cruising. All of a sudden there's a soft single and there was a bloop single and boom, he hung one and Garcia crushed it. And all of a sudden, or no, Urias, excuse me, Urias crushed it. And I don't know, it could be a huge upset. I think everybody was thinking Japan's going to take this game. Mm -hmm.
1: No, I, I, in in the. Back of my mind, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Japan to make a comeback just because I, I kinda wanna see the chance of getting to see Otani pitch in the yeah. final and with Darvish too. But um, I mean Mexico, like they're they've been a sleeper team this whole time with like Urias and Saint Eval and, and then their lineup's been pretty solid with the Rosarena, Teles and and Paredes and a few other guys too, and, and Urias obviously with the whole run today. So gotta give them credit for yep. not necessarily being the favorite, but they're but they're sticking around and making a game out of it
2: for the folks who didn't see it last night, USA put a kind of, a beat down on Cuba. And sorry, Raj, to kind of bring that up. But yeah, 14 to 2. They scored early and often, and it was just a run scoring festival for the United States. And, you know, they are now a couple of wins away from making me say, hey, I, it was not worth worrying about that Mark DeRosa has never really managed a baseball game before. So <laughs> outside of travel ball and his son that he talks about, um, the team is playing well. You know the offense really started to come around, and we'll see if they can keep that going for tomorrow, Whether they play Mexico or Japan,
1: yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's I, would, me and my brother, we were talking a lot about DeRosa. We're like, man, like I don't know, I don't know if this guy's got it to to manage beyond this tournament. But I mean, it it hasn't really mattered too much at to this point. But but yeah, they I think that they should be pretty well served in the next game. I don't know who's scheduled to pitch tomorrow for the U.S. No, I do not that that's the only the only real like concern i guess i have with the us team is it's just like i know that the injury bug has been a hot topic with all these uh, guys in the wbc but man it'd be really nice if like even some of the like older guys like a verlander or scherzer guys that at least have established careers and you don't necessarily have to worry about jeopardizing future earnings like just just take a shot and play in this because it it would be really cool to see like a like a kid like sasaki that's uh, a phenom pitching against
2: Max Scherzer in a, in a, in a oh, do-or-die game, you know? That would be ideal, no question. I just, the way we they have to protect their pitching these days, I think you're always going to see these kind of bullpen strong games. And even then, I was talking a couple, last week about, well, I'll give DeRosa credit for kind of walking through this minefield of, you know, the relievers can't work back-to-back days. They can't come in. They have to start, a couple of them have to start with a clean inning. A couple of them cannot sit down and come back out. You know, so, mm-hmm. so he's really juggling a lot of stuff in the air. So credit to him so far. And of course, when they score fourteen runs, that makes them all a good manager, you know, <laughs> right? We could put JFK over there in charge, and if we score fourteen, we'll probably win.
0: <laughs> I think I'd be a good manager, honestly. But but all right, let's let's get this with Tigers talk because we got the WPC talk out of the way. We got some good stuff for the show. That we're going to be talking about the AL Central, kind of giving our rankings. We're just gonna. Talk about what we've seen in spring training, obviously some storylines. We followed what what has been encouraging, what hasn't been that encouraging. And then obviously the roster cuts that have been taking place. So make sure to like, and subscribe to our channel. And like I said, Raj and Chris should be joining us, but if they aren't, we're going to hold it down as usual. But if you guys want to talk about, we, we hold it down. But if you guys want to talk about spring training and what has really impressed you, what has worried you, I kind of want to start with Torkelson. You've been the Torkelson guy. I haven't heard any real negative things about him. I've heard lots of positive things about Torkelson. He's hitting the ball really hard. I believe he's hitting around 300 in spring. What are you kind of thinking there? Do you Are you more encouraged? Are you, Do you have higher expectations for him this season now that we've seen him kind of hit a little better in spring?
2: Well, I am happy. I mean, obviously, it's the last two weeks. Uh, we've been getting these daily updates on exit velocity, and mostly it's been very positive. Uh, he's had a lot of balls hit. You know, a hundred plus, hundred five. I think we even one was up to one hundred nine, whatever it is. And I mean, it's a very simple thing, right? Keep, if you hit the ball hard enough, think good things will happen. You'll find grass, or you'll put things over walls. And I think he's calming down. I think he's looking more comfortable. It's The work he did this year, you know, he looks quicker to the ball, and you know, hopefully that continues. We can't get too crazy about spring training. We all know that. But, you know, the guy was drafted despite last year's struggles. Okay. And there was a lot of ugliness last year. No one's denying that. But he was drafted where he was for a reason. He really showed off well with Wood Bats in the Cape Cod League. He dominated Arizona State. He was very consistent year in, year out. The guy can hit. It was it was worse giving him more and more opportunities because of the, the pedigree and the draft position, he knew he was going to get them. So it's good to see some really good swings and some consistently good swings. I mean, it seems like every game now, he's peppering a few balls, and that's a great sign.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to kind of just follow up on that last last point that just every every swing that I've seen, and I, I haven't gotten to watch a lot of the games live, but just all the the clips I've been seeing on Twitter and things, just with the exit velocities, Torkelson has just been smoking the ball and he had, he definitely hasn't gotten that lucky but I mean like you said it's just it's a ma- only a matter of time before he's going to find some some daylight here and, and kind of get get on a roll and honestly for me I think it, that's just been the more encouraging sign is that because he's been hitting the ball so hard and and spraying it right at guys that I mean what more can you really ask for him than than hitting the ball over 100 miles an hour every, every time up and just from a, a confidence perspective, it seems like every every at bat that he seemed a lot more loose, a lot more just consistent with his approach. And I'm not gonna get into any of the the technical techni- technicalities of his of his stance and things like that right now. But in general, just he's got a good mojo. Seems like he's he's confident in what he's doing up there. And again, it's spring training, but that's that's all you can really ask for from from him in spring training is at least just putting good swings on the on the ball and just getting comfortable up there.
2: You know, more reps, more confidence, more maturity. More experience. I mean, let's face it. It's a tough game. (laughs) You know, that's not breaking news. and Not everybody is a superstar from the jump. You you know, he he had his struggles. And I think there were a lot of, you know, we heard a lot of whispers of why. That maybe he wasn't open to coaching. You know, his confidence was down. We We heard it all last year. Everybody had an opinion. But really, I think what it came down to was he needed confidence at the plate. His approach he just looks way more almost casual up there, or you know he he doesn't look like he's pressing, and I think that's fantastic, and you know who else is looking pretty good is Riley Green, and you could not have written a better script for the Tigers this year in spring training besides good health, which is obviously always important than Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson having a nice spring because if this team is going anywhere in the next you know, year to four years. Boy, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson better be a big part of the package of why they're doing it. You know, those are the guys they need to mature and and lead this lineup. That makes everything else a whole lot easier for Scott Harris if he's got these two guys in his pocket.
0: Yeah, and to play the the part of
2: Raj, this is a video from Raj. I'm going
0: to see if we can get sound to it. This is just a comparison. On the left side is Torkelson from last year.
2: On the right side is from spring training. See, the, the finish is lower than the one in spring training this year. And as Raj noted, it seems a little longer. You know, like he, he last year he was kind of short and abrupt with everything. This one, he looks a little looser, a little longer. Yeah, but
0: absolutely. Oh, did you have something to add to that, Nick?
1: Well, I, I was going to say just, just to Youper's point, just about both Green and, and Torkelson, just obviously having a stellar start to spring training and that being just a. Like, huge part of the season what i was going to say is i know this this happened about a week ago but you one of your favorite players corbin carroll got that the arbitration extension i can't remember the details of the contract but i'm just kind of curious to see i mean i know we gotta watch and see how this season plays out for both green and torkelson but maybe the tigers kind of try and dabble and see what they can do on on something like that for these two guys just because I mean we're we've had a lot of tough injury luck with with my Scoobel and a lot of these young stars in the draft but both both Green and Torkelson being pillars to the future of the Tigers that it might not be the worst idea to to start mm-hmm. kicking the tires on on that pre-arb extension and buy out some of those arbitration years. I like that that that's, that's a good idea. Oh, but I don't know, do you guys think it was kind of an
0: Alavila thing Cause- do you think that's the reason none of these guys got extended and now that Scott Harris is there, or do you think it was just more player-oriented? Because I think if it was player-oriented, don't you think we would have at least gotten maybe, like, one of these young players getting extended, but the fact that none of them did, do you think that was kind of just an Alan, Alavila thing and he just wasn't comfortable extending young players?
2: Well, let's face it, if, if Torkelson had, you know, been at least a league average or better hitter last year, it would have been a different equation of uh, what they may have pursued with him. And Riley Green, you know, he was injured and he had his moments, but he also struggled at times. So they didn't, they didn't light a fire to, to move him in that direction. But at the end of the day, it's Chris Illich's team. Is he looking to make commitments to young players like that when he doesn't have to? Because the Tigers don't have to sign anybody to a long-term contract like Corbin Carroll or Ronald Acuna in Atlanta, that kind of thing. And those have been great contracts for the teams, I think. You know, they're good for the player. I think Carroll got, I want, $111 million is in my mind. I could be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we would all be happy with $111 million locked in, okay? That'd be great. But in the long run, could he make more? Maybe. I mean, he might be. The, the trade is for the security versus what could be, potentially be out there for him eight years down the line. I'm not sure if Al Avila was told no by Chris Illich, or maybe Al Avila just wasn't looking to be proactive in that sense. I, we, we'll never know. Scott Harris has a chance to become his own man in this job, okay? Will he pursue something like this? If, if Riley Green looks good early, if Spencer Torkelson has shaken off all the doldrums from last year, will they make that kind of move? I would like to think they would. I think it's smart. It's smart general managing, smart front office work. But again, does Chris Illich want to sign off on something like that and make that kind of long-term commitment? We don't know until we see it. I think if you look at the Braves, look at what they did. They extended.
0: Isn't Albie, Ozzie Albies getting paid like $5 million a year or something. Ozzie
2: Albies agent should be (laughs) barred from ever representing anybody, even to you know in mean, traffic court you should never have anybody for anything that was one of the worst contracts ever
0: i know was it yeah they had Aus, austin riley too they, they've Michael been a,
1: right oh. they've just been a, a like an army as far as of extending guys with strider and they, they traded for murphy the catcher from the a's and oh, extended him yeah. immediately and, and Olson too like their core is just completely locked up for the next decade whether I know that they kind of caught a break, like you said, with Albies and even Acuna's contracts in comparison to what you could get on the open market. But I I mean, I think it's a smart play. Obviously, like just comparing it for Green and Torkelson, you got to see a bigger sample size on the field of what they can do. But I mean, like you said, it's it's almost it's smart. General managing smart, smart to look at these guys just because you know that they're going to be faces of the franchise. That's what you're hoping for. But yeah, the, the Braves, it's just a it's an unbelievable culmination of assets and they're all coming up at the same time. It's, it's
2: unbelievable. And I also wonder with the Braves being open, you know, they're being owned by the Liberty media group, right? They're not, they don't have a a traditional one man, one woman owner. So it's one thing I've always wondered about that situation is when the general manager and president want to make these moves and they have to get a signed off by the corporate entity out there. Are there number crunchers in the organization there who are saying, yeah, these long-term contracts with a player like this makes sense. So even though we are committing X number of millions of dollars, there's math behind this, why this will work. Whereas sometimes I think owners are more frail individuals, even though they're all mostly successful business people and it's, you know, signing off on a hundred million dollar plus contract, not always the easiest thing to do. Well, I
0: don't know if you see how, how, Promising Acuna has been, and guys like Albies and Spencer Strider. I mean, I think those are going to be absolute steals of contracts. I mean, Ronald Acuna, I think, can win an MVP in this league, and he's going to be severely underpaid. Obviously, Albies as well. Like, I think all thirty GMs, if given the opportunity to extend players like that, I think should honestly. I think the Braves, they're they're set for the future. Like they, like I don't know, they to me have probably the brightest future of all thirty teams in baseball with what they've done with their young players.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just to chime in too, and just obviously with a risk and just looking at Strider, I mean, he's, he had a great season last year, but we, we all know what happens with, with pitchers. It's very fickle and volatile with guys, arm, arm health and, and things like that. So there's, there obviously is risk, but not only do you just back that up with an organization like the Braves that they've been historically great at drafting and developing talent from within. So even if you swing and miss on one of these extensions, whether it's Strider or Harris or whoever it may be, just the fact that they're able to to draft and develop guys and have a next man up mentality, it's it's not as big of a risk if you're if you're able to have a good or a replacement level value with some of these guys, just from what's coming up in the minor leagues. So um, either way, yeah, they're they're just a machine, and it's it's been fascinating to watch. And that that was one of the reasons why I was actually really curious if the Tigers were going to make a run at at Dana Brown for GM, but Obviously, I'm I'm loving what Harris has been doing so far, but I think that he's going to really succeed in Houston just given the uh, track record of that organization, too. Yeah, and
0: if we're talking about young players, it's kind of funny that this has been brought up because I had a question earlier in our chat about the future Detroit Tigers All-Stars. And I said maybe we could talk about it on a podcast, but since we're kind of already talking about some young players, you guys just want to... Kind of talk about, like, I said, who, who will the next five Detroit Tigers all-stars be? But I mean, If you guys want to play along in the chat, go ahead. For me, I went Baez in 2023. I went Green Torkelson in 2024. I picked Mize in 2025, which maybe some people will be a, a little doubtful on that. And then I did Parker Meadows in 2026. I know Youper, you had a couple guys as well. Nick, you're kind of gonna have to come with this on the spot if that's okay who do you guys think tigers next five all stars i know you pre you had some in mind
2: well yeah i'll let nick think about this a little bit for 23 i took a stab you know he's pitching very well here in spring training i went with eduardo rodriguez you know a left-handed or excuse me i right-handed but anyway a pitcher who i think has a lot of incentive to come back and have a big season to possibly opt out and get back on the free agent market or you know if he stays he stays but I think that he's going to bounce back. He's a good pitcher. Last year was just a lost season. So I think he'll be my dark horse to to be an all-star. For 24, I went with Riley Green and who else Terry did they have? Terry Skubal. I had Skubal as a comeback kid, yes. Yeah. I, I love the talent. I'm a big Skubal fan. His injury, I, I, I really do believe he will come back and, and be successful. So I put them in 24. And then for 25, I said the the next two All-Stars after that probably aren't in the organization. I think they'll hopefully, if the team is looking like they can contend, I hope they will dip into the free agent market to try to, you know, bolster the offense from that direction. And also, you never know when a, a pop-up closer is going to come in and have a good couple of months and all of a sudden, boom, they're an All-Star.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of in lockstep with with Uper here just as far as selections. I, I think if we're going to pick an odds-on bet for this season, just like you said with, with E-Rod, just given the fact that he's he's got, instead of to, to, to pitch out of his mind and try and either opt out or or maybe be moved at the deadline. So I I can definitely see him putting his best foot forward this season and he looked great to this point in, in spring training in the WBC. But beyond that, I mean, for the future seasons, I think it, it's kind of a toss-up, I would say, between Riley Green, Scooble, I, I definitely believe is going to come back. I mean, I think even this at whatever point this season that we'll we'll get a good showing from him coming back off of that flexor tendon injury, and I would say beyond that in the 25 or 26 seasons, I, I would say Colt Keith is my my favorite. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, he could be up this year. Who knows? But I think just what he's shown in spring training and in the fall league last year and even obviously an a ball before he had that shoulder injury, but his bat is just looking pretty electric and what position he's going to be at, who knows still, but he's just been really exciting to watch. And honestly, you can make a case that he was the, his selection in that COVID draft was like the best move that Al Vila and company made in their, in their tenure. So I'm, I'm excited for him. Hope, hoping for the best, all all things considered with, with health and and success, but that would be my, my pick for either 25 or 26. Yeah. Oh God. you
2: well, as you say, you know, Cole Keith definitely, you know, he looks bigger, really maturing and filling out the power. Boy, it's a small sample that we've seen this spring, but it looks real. Uh, he's hitting the ball really hard. A couple of those home runs have been mammoth. I uh, love what we see. I, I, I'm in no, you know, a lot of people say, oh, will get him up here. You know, I, I think they have the team. Unless things go extremely well this year, the team's not going anywhere special. They don't need to rush cold keys. I mean, he had a short year last year. He only had, I think, just under 300 at bats. And it was a good year, but it was an injury, you know, marred year. Let him have this year. Let him learn. Let him develop. I think they might have something special there. Raj had him as an all-star as well. Around 24, 25. So let's hope. I mean, that would obviously be the best case scenario, no matter where he plays. I think the one guy we also haven't mentioned, besides Meadows, John mentioned him. I think Isaac Pacheco. I'm really interested to see more Isaac Pacheco. I've heard just through a grapevine of some people I know, they are monstrously impressed with Isaac Pacheco. So does that power come through? Is it real? I think there's a chance it is.
0: Yeah. I The one thing I added was like maybe the number three pick this year, which could be like Wyatt Langford or Dylan Cruz. But that would probably be more like 2027 probably it would, that'd be years down the line
2: it's going to be really interesting if it is Dylan Cruz if, if if because of signability and what teams want to spend and how they want to manipulate their signing bonuses if Dylan Cruz falls to the Tigers that would be a godsend my goodness that would be amazing
1: hmm. yeah I've, I've I've only caught some clips on Twitter of, of Cruz and and Wyatt Langford too from Florida but both of those guys just seem like the uh, the real deal. It's we we did get get kind of lucky with this first year lottery to to get all the way up to three. But and even I know Chris has brought him up a few times. But Max Clark, the the high school, I haven't watched much of him either. But but all things considered, what I've read, it it seems like people are very very high on him. So great great options there. I know just with the the job injury here that people are probably not going to want to take a swing at a pitcher up up that high but there's some good pitching options too i the names are escaping me but we got kind of yeah, well, instance,
2: baseball america put out their first mock draft and obviously mock drafts are for fun right they're for our entertainment we know that but they watched baseballs closer than anybody else and they had Paul screens from lsu to the tigers at number three big right hand pitcher and he does look good i mean and he's dominating so I would be surprised if all things being equal the Tigers took a pitcher, but I guess we don't know what Scott Harris wants to do yet. We're we're learning stuff about him all the time.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it will be Chase. and kind
1: of- adult- Oh, you're good. Go ahead. Oh, so- sorry about that, John. But I was just I was just gonna say, yeah, it will be kind of it'll be interesting just because again it's his first draft, and obviously the mantra's been control controlling the strike zone and and having discipline at bats and all about approach so you would think that he'd want to get a a marquee position player but but i don't know you never you never know i guess he's he's like you said he's going to be his own man and kind of put his staple on the organization so we'll we'll see i'm I'm excited for it honestly
0: yeah there's chase is it chase dollander is that how you pronounce it the, yeah dollander
2: from tennessee mm-hmm. yeah
0: he's a prod, he might be the best pitching prospect you have paul Skeens as well but yeah, just the fact that Cruz or Clark or Wyatt Langford, you're guaranteed to get at least, you're going to have a chance to draft at least one of those guys is, is pretty exciting, and I think all of them have pretty good potential for the Tigers. I'm hopeful for a position player. I'm I'm so over taking pitchers at the top of the draft. I don't know if you guys agree with that.
2: Well, Carlos Colazo, who did the draft, the, the mock draft for Baseball America, real smart guy, no question about it. He, you know, just mentioned that the team with this lottery this year, the teams who jumped into the, were in the top five. There are five in his early opinion. There are five players that are separate from the rest. Right, that there's a little bit of a drop off from six through ten. If he's right, the Tigers really got fortunate this year. They got in at three, like a team like the A's dropped down to the sixth spot. So, and again with signability and things, that might not mean anything. They might get a great player at six, but. I like having the tigers at three a lot more than six.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's it's all been pretty lucky just given the initial circumstances with the lottery and things. As far as just who I would want to take, I mean, John, I'm, I'm with you. I've, I'm I would be a little hesitant just given the the recent news with Joe, but at the same time, if if guy, if you got your guy and he's a pitcher, like I think you just you go with best player available after all the evaluations and what your your scouting team wants to do. I mean. Whoever the team has, has marked as that top tier guy, regardless of position, I think that you just have to go for it. Obviously, the, the safer move is position player. And given the fact of just the volatility the pitchers go through and you know that there's going to be injuries, it, it makes most sense just to, to take the safe pick. But again, it's, it's all their player evaluation process and what they feel is, is best. So I'm, 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 I'm going to trust them, but I, I, would, I would go with you on taking a position player.
2: It's really it's, interesting with Pittsburgh up there. They've been known to throw some real curveballs over the years, you know, and not necessarily they'll, they'll, they'll swing a, a financial deal like they did with Henry Davis first overall at the time and really kind of upset the apple cart for the rest, you know, a trickle down effect on the rest of the draft. So that's where my hope is that Dylan Cruz could somehow just boom, fall into the tiger's lap out of nowhere. Because I do believe just from what we've seen and, you know, I watched it. There are plenty of people who watch more college baseball than me, but I do watch a fair amount of college baseball. That guy looks like a stud. I mean, there's no question about it. If he's, if he's wearing an old English D, I think we're going to be happy. Yeah. I think, in terms of
0: drafting a pitcher, I just think like good organizations like the Rays, like the Guardians, they just find a way to develop pitchers. And if you believe in Chris Snyder and the Tigers' ability to develop pitchers, like we have seen a lot of pitching development from guys like, you know, Bo Brisky. Who's who's looked really strong? Joey Wentz has shown some development. I just think you can find pitchers in the later rounds. It's kind of like the NFL. You can find running backs in that second, you know, third, fourth round. I kind of feel that way about pitchers. But for me, if there's a position player that you think is, is generational or, you know, has a, a perennial all-star potential, you take them. You know, we've seen guys like Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, Bryce Harper at the top of the draft. You know, there's been some good pitchers taken at the top of the draft, but I feel like there's also been a lot of good pitchers. That have just been found in those later rounds, like Jacob Degrom, who was a ninth round pick. Shane Bieber was a fourth round pick. So I, I'm confident they're going to take a position player, but at the end of the day We're just going to have to wait and see. But I th- I would be pretty upset if they take a pitcher. I'll, I'll got be a honest. lot of
2: a lot of mock drafts to read. Through yeah, yeah, why yeah, yeah. We get there. <laughs> we <got laughs> some, yes, we got. I some love time. those things. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. But yes, this is a, a roster cut podcast. So if you guys do want to get in, into the roster cuts, I believe the Tigers roster is on the 41 men now. And today they announced Alex Fideo and Edwin Ucenta to AAA. I don't think anyone was really too surprised there. Fedeo going to get some starts in AAA. Hasn't looked the greatest in spring training. And yucenta again, just a younger pitcher, probably needs some more seasoning in the minor leagues. Maybe a player we see later in the season. And then the other moves we had today, Kervon Castro, who I was a big fan of. I thought he was making a case to make the team. Still relatively young. I believe he's 24, 25 years old. He got reassigned. Miguel Diaz, Miguel DePozo, Brennan Davis, and Jermaine Palacios. I believe that's how you say it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Jermaine Palacios. So the Tigers have 41 players remaining in the major league camp. Out of the guys I just named, was there anyone that you kind of were surprised at, upset with? Anyone that stands out to you guys?
1: I, I would, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to say no one that I was necessarily surprised about. I guess the one that's more the highlight is just by Ato, just given his draft status and and how he performed last year before getting injured. I mean, that being said, he he really hasn't been that great in in spring training. Just what he's shown at this point. I know that they've worked with him on on going back to is kind of natural or original delivery of what he was doing in college. So I don't know if there's a little bit of a curve, just getting, getting back to. Breaking new habits. I don't know what, how to really describe that, but, but I mean, in general, for me, Faieto, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of am seeing a little bit more of a reliever profile. If he sticks with that, his original kind of mechanics that he's got going on and maybe. That plays up with his fastball and, and off-speed pitches, but I know yeah. that he's going to work as a starter, and obviously that they're, they're hoping they remains a the starter. But at this point Bear in time, it? It, oh, oh, yeah, if, he, if you guys can still hear me, but yeah, yeah I don't know if, what you guys think about that. If you think maybe it's better to to shift in that reliever role given his his mechanics and things,
2: I think they're you know it's starting. The ledger's starting to tilt that way, right? I I think that if he's going to save his career, the bullpen is probably the best bet at this time. And who knows if that's even a good bet because he has not looked good. And he had his, you know, he had his four starts of glory last year where he everybody's like, hey, if I ain't those here, and then he, he hurt his back or whatever it was, and so much for that. He has a good slider, and when you think back to when he dominated at the College World Series at Florida. It was just wipeout slider after wipeout slider after wipeout slider. And college guys just couldn't do a damn thing with it. You know, now he's on the big league level. Can he come in and be uh, a seventh, eighth inning reliever who is slider dominant and just can control that pitch and ride that to some success? Because one time, I think with Faito, his fastball, it just, it's really hittable you know, and he doesn't seem to spot it really well. You know, he doesn't have overwhelming velocity. So he needs a one, he's going to be a one-pitch wonder if he makes it. And I don't think that spells starting pitcher unless they really can fix something here at Toledo. I think that means bullpen. And who knows if he's even going to make it as that. But I think if he is going to make it, that's the ticket. Yeah, I kind of agree with you guys. But yeah, I feel like we have so many, you know, starters
0: that are at the major league level. I I mean, if you look at, what Toledo's rotation is going to be this year. It's going to be a lot of guys we saw in the majors last year. I think eventually you're either going to have to move on from some of these guys or you know move them to a reliever role. He could potentially be one of them. I do. I remember he did switch his arm slot, if I'm not mistaken. I believe Alavila, his administration, had Fideo switch his arm slot when he was drafted. So maybe there's a little hope there that he can kind of get back to what he was at college. But Yeah, yeah. It
2: was, they talked, I think, about they wanted him to come more over the top and he had been more of a bit of a, a three quarter sideslinger, right? I and mean, he wants to go back to the old motion is more of the three quarter. Yeah, I I think it'll be a very interesting season
0: just to see him going back to that. And I think this could be a a big year for him as well.
1: Yeah, no, I, sure. I I was just gonna throw one one last note in too because I I know just from a lot of the clips that, that you guys had posted, Roger Chris too, just posting from back when Bayardo was starting and. And even like double A with Yuri, like he'd have these starts where it would be five innings with with two runs allowed, but the two hits were absolute nuclear home runs. And I mean it's he, he had pretty solid command and he he put up decent strikeout numbers, but it just uh, like you said, you his his fastball is just a, like a little too hittable and maybe that shift into that bullpen role could could give it a little bit more life. But I kind of agree with you. It's it's gonna be slider or bust for him. And if he's able to to capture something. Um Maybe that that's that's it being slider dominant, and maybe hoping that that fastball can take up in the bullpen. But I guess we'll we'll see. Who knows? Either way, he's down to mm-hmm. Toledo. We'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, but yeah,
0: but in terms of like the bullpen, Trey, how do you say his last name? Trey Winger,
1: Wingender. I've been saying wing enter Okay, I, yeah, I, right, right.
0: I, I want to say I'd say like Rowan. Like, it reminds me of Henry Rowan Gardner from Rookie of the Year. I don't know why. I want to say that's just what that's what comes to my head but he sure. pitched he pitched really well today is he's still on the with the big league club I believe right yeah I think he I mean he's relatively young as well but that would be kind of a surprise for him to make the team obviously a high velocity guy well he's 28 years old so I wouldn't say he's that young but hasn't given up an earned run in six innings pitch and I think Jason Shreve as well has kind of established himself as the number one lefty in the Tigers bullpen I think he's looked.
2: Really, really solid as well. I think the names that we didn't know well or real well at the beginning, whom have a shot, definitely I think you're, you're onto something. I think Wingender has a good shot. He's held it together so far. What more could he do, you know, to try to secure a spot? And they need live arms. You know, we, we always forget they gave, they have moved on from their four best relievers last year are all gone. You know, Jimenez, Fulmer, Soto. And uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, I know Jay I'm fin- forgetting so much. Yeah, Chafin, thank you very much. So, you know, there are jobs to be won. They, they're going to have to give one to Mason Engler. He's pitched three shutout innings today. Look great. Rule five guy, he's got to stay unless they can swing a trade for him to, to gain his rights. So that's one spot locked in. I look, you know, Shreve, we talked about him now for a couple weeks. Uh, he's looking solid. And, you know, if, if spring training results are going to win you a job, he he's putting in the work. Uh, two years ago for the Mets, he had a nice season, and then last year not so good. But that's how relievers roll. So I think those three guys are are probably gonna break camp.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, you both. I think all three of those guys are lock locks at this point to to get into the bullpen. I'm kind of curious what you guys think about about Tyler Alexander right now. I don't know if we were going to get to him in a little bit or not, but I know that he's had some kind of up and down outings, but I just think with, with the state of our rotation and a lot of the injuries that we've seen in, in the last year, that despite him being, having some struggles, I think that he's going to kind of be a key piece just because he can give us some length, especially here in April and May, while guys are still kind of building up, but him and maybe Garrett Hill or however they plan to deploy, Risky or, or, or Wentz too, it's, it's going to be kind of interesting how they're really going to navigate those final spots.
2: Well, there's no question Alexander has struggled a bit. And if anything is going to save him, it's the fact that he has some starting pitching in his background and that he can go multiple innings out of the bullpen. And he's shown that in the past and he's been effective at times in the past. So his reputation is going to save him if anything is going to save him. And the needs that, as you mentioned, kind of hinted at, they're going multiple innings out of the bullpen is going to save the callback points. So it really all boils down to is, is that need more important than a young guy who might be lighting it up out of the bullpen in spring training? You know, that's the balance that, you know, Hinch has to feel. Like, for instance, if it was so drastic, they were going to have to cut somebody who they think has some promise then I would say no. I mean, I would say you keep that kid and you let Alexander go because we probably have seen the best of Tyler Alexander in the last few years. I don't think there's some Tyler Alexander surge coming, you know? So I think that's something that you can move on from if you have a young talent ready to roll. But if these are guys that they can just get to Toledo without much of a problem, then I think that helps Alexander's case for for being there and gobble up some innings. Yeah, I wonder...
0: what they're going to do with Joey Wentz, because I think he's had a, a good enough spring. I wonder if they would put him in the bullpen because they want him to be facing Major League talent, or do they want him to get starts at, at, at AAA at the minor leagues? I really don't know. The only other guy I was looking at was Jace Fry. I know his numbers don't look the greatest in spring, but he did have a really, really bad first outing, but has kind of bounced back since then and struck out 12 batters in seven and two-thirds innings. He's not relatively young either at 29. So yeah, I think Joey Wentz versus Tyler Alexander is kind of going to be the the debate that's going to be had there. And I don't know, I think I would kind of prefer Joey Wentz to be facing major league talent. Even if it's out of the bullpen, he can you know be a long reliever. You know, you've had those split starts where you've had one pitcher go two or three innings and then have another starter going into, you know, throw two or three innings. We know Turnbull, he's obviously going to be working his way back. So I think maybe Wentz could get more innings than you think out of the bullpen. So I think I'm leaning towards Joey Wentz and Jason Shreve as my two lefties to hopefully get the, the nod for opening day.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I think that it might be smart early in the season to, to kind of stagger some, some of these starters just given the, the injury history. The actual selection, like like you said, Newport, it's going to be kind of interesting how we're, we're going to see Hinch and Harris kind of dictate whether it's going with somebody that's shown in spring training or got a little bit more promise or maybe someone that's not necessarily going to be able to get DFA that you can hang on to for a little bit while you're, you're hiding somebody in Toledo. So, but I, I, I do think kind of similar to you, John, that, that Wentz is he's better served staying in the majors, whether it's going to be in the rotation somehow with, with how things shape out with, with Manning or even Lorenzo with that injury today. We'll yeah. we'll see, but I think I'm I'm kind of with you that I think that Wentz probably should stick around with the big club just to see how he develops because I, I don't necessarily know if it's better suited for him to go to Toledo and, and pitch there.
0: Yes.
2: I always wonder with clubs that are in the position of the Tigers, right? They, they haven't won in a long time. We can debate if they look like they're going to win this year or not, right? How many games and how worthwhile it is to how much do you need a good bullpen right Chris has said this many times a 74 win team doesn't need a great bullpen or great reliever they should trade them right and it kind of goes to the same at the beginning of the year do they owe it to themselves to put the best foot forward and try to win games until it doesn't matter anymore that you know they've lost it in the standings and now they can build for the future but should they from April 1st on looking to win with the bullpen that they bring North or do they make decisions based upon the future? Like, is it better for Joey Wentz to be taking starts at Toledo versus pitching two innings a week out of the bullpen or three innings, whatever that's this really, you know, interesting stuff. And I can't answer that. So it's going to be interesting to see what Scott Harris's view of that is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, I don't know. I think it's what's really interesting to me is the Tigers have a lot of starters that are kind of like a hybrid starter. Like Michael Lorenz is is kind of he's kind of a starter, but he's also been a reliever most of his time in the big leagues. Matt Boyd was a reliever last year, and then you have guys like Garrett Hill, Bo Briskey, who There's been talk about him coming out of the bullpen. Like it'll be really interesting to see. Like Mason Angler is another guy I think who deserves consideration to, to get a spot in the rotation with how he's looked. But I think if you look. Like Eduardo Rodriguez to me is the only real, like, I'd say workhorse guy in this, in this rotation. Everyone else is kind of like, you don't really know if you're getting 100 innings or more out of them. And I think it'll be really interesting, like, how many starters you know, or guys that we think are starters are going to be, you know, put in the bullpen, like a Bo Brisky or a Joey Wentz or a Garrett Hill. Like, this team could have like eight or nine starters,
2: you know, come opening that. And that's the thing. Let's say Joey Wentz pitches well here these last two weeks, but doesn't go north. You know, let's say he goes to Toledo. I, I wouldn't count that as a big slap in the face for him because given the, all the, the starters that you mentioned and all the innings questions that we have, I mean, I, it won't be a big stretch that anybody having some success at Toledo will come up at some point and be able to get their 15 to 20 starts, no problem, over the course of the year if they earn it, right? Whether they're in April or if you get them in July, who cares?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. You, I think that the, the entire roster, whether it's position players or pitchers, it's, it's pretty much going to be a dog fight as far as these young guys with Harris, not really having the loyalty to a lot of these players to just kind of see, Hey, like whoever's, whoever can show it and, and deserves to get up in, in, in the action that they're going to, they're going to give them a shot. So I really do think like Brisky being the one example that I know that a lot of people have talked about him being in the bullpen, but I mean, the guy just pumps strikes. I mean, he's, he's, Showing an uptick in velocity too. I mean, i I don't really know why not just let him ride as a starter and just see what you can get out of him. And then if all else fails, then then sure go to the bullpen because it, it seems like that he could he could definitely thrive in that role if needed. But it, just in my mind, I I would rather see some of these guys fail as starters and get that opportunity to then be like okay, to give them that that notion to go into the bullpen. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's going to be kind of dynamic. There's a lot of options, but there's definitely going to be. Some injuries and opportunities will be there. So it'll be, it'll be curious to see how it really shakes out in these early months.
2: Now, for the people listening at home, Japan just hit a three-round homer to tie it. Wow. Uh, Yoshida, the guy who just signed with the Red Sox, just hammered a three-round homer. Three, three in the seven. Mexico, Japan. Could be a good good ending on that one.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. But speaking of good endings, there's a segue right there. How about we talk about the AL Central? I've been itching to talk some baseball. Obviously, this is a Tigers podcast, but we could talk about the AL Central because that obviously is going to have a lot to do with the Tigers this year because they play in the AL Central. But yeah, I've been itching to talk about this division. I think this division is getting disrespected a little bit. I mean, on the last podcast, I think Raj and Chris said that the winner of this division could finish under five hundred. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, maybe you agree with Nick, but I don't know. Who, I don't know, like who's your favorite in this division? Because for me, I can honestly go back and forth with about three teams in this division and talk myself into it. Do you guys kind of, I don't know if you've made your predictions yet, who are you kind of looking at that could maybe win win the Central this year?
1: I mean, I, th- I think that just in general that you, you kind of have to, to give Cleveland their props because you've, it doesn't really matter who's on their roster or what what additions or subtractions that they make, that they always – find a way to get 80, 85 to 90 wins, just based on how they are as an organization that they're, they always develop some pitching and, and pull guys out of nowhere that are successful. So, I mean, I think I would put Cleveland just as the favorite right now. I'm really curious to see how Stephen Kwan kind of does in a second season, kind of seeing how he sustains, but their rotation is going to be probably too much to match with with Beaver and uh, Cal Quantrill and Kid Cavalli or not King, Adam Cavalli, I should say oh. I ho- hoping for him on on a little bit of a bounce back but then they got uh, that kid Gavin Williams they got Cody Morris coming up McKenzie in that- yeah I mean, Chris McKenzie he's been established so their pitching I think overall is going to take them over the top I'm I also think the Twins are going to be a lot better this year. They were kind of a disappointment last year, just, but their lineup is, is looking pretty, pretty jam-packed. They're obviously bringing back Correa and things. I really think the White Sox are going to be fading just because they're, they have a good lineup, but I just, I'm really kind of curious how they're going to uphold through a whole season. I don't think that they have the depth to really sustain and, and hang in contention, but I don't, I don't know. I'm curious what, what you guys are thinking with that top three.
2: Well, with the Twins... You know, you think back to that miracle year they had about two, three years ago where every ball they put in play left the park. I mean, they had just that absurd home run to fly ball percentage. They looked like they had, you know, cracked the code of how to hit home runs. And that kind of went away a little bit. But they do have power. You know, there are still some guys there. All those guys who hit home runs are still around. A lot of it, of course, goes to Byron Buxton. Are they going to get, you know, 40-game Byron Buxton or are they going to get 125-game Byron Buxton? If they get 120, 125 games out of them, that's a, a big difference to what they do. I, I don't know about their bullpen. I mean, they got Duran, obviously. and The guy's great. But, you know, beyond that, you know, although we, we know bullpen guys can come out of nowhere. I think the Twins might surprise people a little bit more because people talk about the Guardians a lot more. They brought in Josh Bell. They have the nice rotation. You know, still got Jose Ramirez. That's a good ball club. I think one of those teams are going to finish above 500, John. I don't think, I don't think the other guys are going to get that one right. But there'll be probably be a couple guys, a couple teams over 500. Even if one of them is just barely, I think there'll be at least two. The White Sox, yeah, you know, the depth issues. They have some really nice starting pitching. You know, Lance Lynn is always going to give you... A Lance Lynn effort. Giolito had one bad year a couple of years ago, but mostly he's a decent pitcher. Kopech, we'll see all the talent in the world. And, of course, Dylan Cease came out like a storm last year. If he's the same guy, he's a great pitcher. But something about that lineup, shockingly to me, has never really clicked. And I don't know if that was, you know, people want to blame Tony LaRussa. I don't know, maybe but we'll, the proof will be in the pudding this year. They have some guys, you know. I thought Lewis Robert was going to be a a big star. He's good, but he's not a star yet, you know. Eloy Jimenez hurt a lot. Mancada struggled when, and been hurt. All those are guys who were supposed to be the 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 big pieces of the puzzle to a juggernaut. There and it just hasn't quite come together.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way about the White Sox. I just worry about that offense because. The end of the day, you lost your best hitter. You lost your leader. You lost your MVP in, in Jose Abreu. And you replaced him with Ben Intendi And Ben Intendi's a fine player. But I don't know. It, they're they're in a similar position to the Tigers, I feel like, offensively, where they're just looking at these young players like a Robert, like Eloy Jimenez, like an Andrew Vaughn, who I, I do like Andrew Vaughn. I think yeah. he he's a good hitter. But they're just hoping that these guys can kind of take carry the mantle and, and you know, lift this offense up now that Abreu's gone and I don't know. And it's the depth problems that they have as well. The the rotation, like Johnny Cueto was one of their best pitchers last year. They signed Clevenger, but we don't really know what's going on with that situation. And, yeah, I just – there's just so much. I could see it. I could see the finishing last. Honestly, I could see the finishing first. If things go bad and injuries hit, then maybe at the trade deadline, they're looking at another rebuild. So they're just so volatile to me. And the Twins – Twins were in first place for the majority of last year, and they just kind of scuffled towards the end. I think Pablo Lopez is a good pickup, but he also struggled a bit in the second half in a a pitcher's park in Miami. I mean, Minnesota is not exactly a hitter's park, I'd say, but I think he could be a a decent pickup for them as well. I just worry about the Twins and their their injuries because at the end of the day, if Correa and Buxton aren't healthy, I don't know if I can trust that team to win at least 85 games it's probably going to take to win a division. So I don't know. I think you probably got to go to the Guardians, but I've like, I'm worried about them too, honestly, because I think you look at guys like Josh Naylor, who maybe played a bit over his head. Andres Jimenez was an all-star last year. Could he come back down to earth a little bit? And I like Josh Bell, but he's just been so inconsistent. You know, we've seen it with the Pirates. He's been an MVP candidate. And then, you know, the next month, he, he looks like he doesn't even belong in the big leagues. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, this division, I don't really trust anyone. I trust the Guardians the most, but that offense is just not good last year. And I worry that some of the guys that played over their head, like even an Oscar Gonzalez, if they just kind of come back down to earth, like, I don't know, is it going to be an 85 wins is all it's going to take to win this division?
2: It, 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 that's a really easy thing to say. I think it'll be more than that. I hope that there's almost always somebody who busts out for 88 wins, right? That's what I would predict. Whoever wins the division will get to 88. No, we haven't mentioned the Royals. No. Nope. For a lot of reasons, but I'll tell you, I'm a big Bobby Witt Jr. believer. I think that kid's a star. I think he's a stud waiting to happen. The bust out could be this year. And then you look at Vinny Pascantino, put up a 383 on base percentage. With 10 dingers last year in a short, you know, fairly small sample, can he do it over a big league season? But if he's a legitimate power force with a high on-base percentage in the middle of that lineup, that makes things look a lot different than the pop-gun offense they used to run out there. So, you know, he had a better rookie year than Spencer Torkelson did. Let's put it that way. So I think the Royals have some talent. Melendez can hit. He's a terrible catcher, but they still have Sal Perez. It's going to be interesting to see what the Royals can do. And basically, can they plug together pitching behind Brady Singer and a bullpen other than Scott Barlow? If they can, then maybe they're a surprise team too. But I think them and the Tigers probably will duke it out for third and fourth place because play somewhere in there.
1: Yeah, I've, I think in general, I mean, all the... All the teams in the central despite not being the flashiest in, in baseball that they're they're all interesting for their own reasons but i, I really do think that the royals could be the most interesting just because they're they got a lot of these young guys in their lineup like you you mentioned melendez nick prado Vinny pascantino that those guys could could take big steps kind of coming coming into their own here as as they get some more experience and then you're obviously you got a staple in salvador perez and, and you already mentioned wit who has superstar level potential so they have a lot of they have a lot of pieces. Nicky Lopez had a solid WBC. He's he's always just been a, a solid everyday player. So I'm I'm really kind of curious, like what uh, what kind of output that they're going to get from their lineup because they they have decent players and they're all young and it's a good core coming together. But like you mentioned, just the pitching behind Brady Singer, they they've had a lot of high profile guys that just really haven't panned out to this point. And I I know obviously Granky's there and he's he's a lot of fun to watch even still at his age right now, but the depth there is not going to to get them to anything of prominence, but, and then on top of it, they have the signing of Chapman and that whole fallout with the Yankees, who even knows what you're going to get from him. So they will be a really interesting team might not be good, but I'm, I'm really kind of curious to see what, what kind of step that they take because they have young pieces, but it's just, it's really just a big enigma. So I'm, I'm very, very curious to see what happens with the Royals.
0: Yeah. What are your guys' kind of thoughts on like just the state of the Royals? Cause for the, like they had two years, right? Where they make the World Series back to back years. They had an incredibly fun team, you know, fantastic defensively, an incredible bullpen. And, you know, other than that, they haven't, I don't even know the last time they won the division before that. They really had just that two years of of success. And then they've kind of just been at the seller of the Central for most of this, this century, if we're being honest. Like, do you guys trust the Royals organization? Do you trust the management to build this back up or? Do you think, you know, 2014 and 2015 was kind of an anomaly and who they've been, you know, most of this, like this century is what this organization is?
2: Well, they brought in a new GM, right? They they finally got rid of Dayton Moore. And again, Dayton Moore built that winner, you know, to his credit. They had the farm system of the century, supposedly. It took about an extra year and a half longer than they thought to build a winner back in 2013 and 14 and 15. But they did, and they got, you know, flags fly forever is what they say, right? They got the flag. They got the ring. So that was a success. Then they let some pieces go. They brought in some guys that didn't work out, and all of a sudden they were kind of going in the rebuild mode too, and they wanted to give Dayton Moore the second chance to do it again. But it wasn't moving forward. That 2018 pitching draft was supposed to have, you know, stars besides Singer, and so far Singer's the only one. With the new GM, you got to hope, if you're a Royals fan, that the Walmart money behind the Royals will be flowing. It never really has to this point. They've always been a relatively low to mid-range salary club. They don't have an excuse for it, though. They're They live in a good baseball market with some really good fans who will show up to watch a winner. And again, they have they have the Walmart cash behind them. They 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 should be able to spend if they want to. It's more a choice when they don't.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you there, you because honestly, the like you said that they have they have the backing as far as ownership to to make some moves. Maybe they haven't obviously just because of Dayton Moore kind of not necessarily bringing a second second core team to or a second core group up to uh, up to their team in the past few years, but. They were kind of hanging in, in limbo with, with like the end of Ned Yost's tenure and then into Matheny and just a, a lot over the past three or four seasons, it's been a little bit strange to to see, but I'm kind of curious. I, I can't think of the gentleman's name. of their new GM, but I, overall, I think a new fresh approach with them and they, they have some, some young stars in the making, it, it seems, but I'm just curious to see what they're going to put around them and if they do add if they can kind of take a a good step forward here this season to just see what they can supplement through either free agency or trade to kind of add to that roster because it is really intriguing I think Melendez is a really really good player that's going to kind of blossom here if he's six in the outfield and Witt obviously is is fantastic too but in Pasquantino and Prado they're they got the bats I think and that's the that's the key for them and just trying to find some pitching because like you said that 2018 draft really didn't Materialize beyond Brady Singer. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I got one more question before we get out of here because the AL Central
0: has been just horrible playoff wise. I believe the last AL Central team to win a playoff series in the playoffs was 2017. No, there's the Guardian or the, yeah, they were the Indians. They lost in the first round to the Yankees. I think it was 2016, actually. Cause yeah, the Twins lost in the first round in 2019. The Twins. Indians and White Sox, all in the expanded 2020 playoffs, all lost in the first round. White Sox lost in the first round in 2021. The Guardians, I well, I guess the Guardians won a series against the six-seed Rays this year. But do you think any of these teams, the team that does win this division, do do you think they have any chance of really making a run at the World Series, or are they kind of just going to be like a a win-and-out kind of situation? Like, they have been for the majority of the last, you know, you know, six to
1: eight years.
2: I wouldn't put my money on it. <laughs>
1: okay. that. I, Especially if it's the Twins. The right. Twins? Oh, yeah.
2: But, you know, you look at last year, the Philadelphia Phillies were nobody's favorite to get out of the National League, right? I think a lot, a lot of us would have chosen teams in front of them on the day the playoffs started. And they got through. And, you know, they made some noise in the World Series itself, too. So it can happen. You know, let's say... You know, the Twins are hitting a lot of home runs this year. And Joe Ryan takes that step up one more level. And Kenta Maeda has a little bit of a comeback. You know, let's say they can throw three good starters out there in a series. Who knows? Stuff happens. But again, if you made me bet, then no, I wouldn't put cash on them.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of with you, especially just the Twins. I think that they're just kind of cursed when it gets into the playoffs that they just run into the Yankees, and they're always a buzz off for them in the playoffs. But I mean, in general, I think that they probably have the best chance of advancing of any of the teams if they are going to get in, just because the lineup is so deep and they have it. In my opinion, this I know the White Sox starters I think are a little bit more high profile with with Cease and and Gialito, Kopeck and Lynn. But I think the Twins, I think overall, have the most competitive chance just because of Jose Miranda. You got Gallo. I think this is going to kind of have a big bounce back year for them. And just in general with their rotation with with Lopez and Joe Ryan, like you mentioned, and I think and even Sonny Gray too, to some degree. I think that they just, they got the pieces in place to to maybe take a series in a a three game format. But I mean, just for whatever reason that they always just get, they get bounced immediately. And who knows? I I mean,
2: I'm a big believer in power in the postseason. You know, I, mean, I just think it's really hard against the best teams to score consistently if you're hitting singles, bunting them over, getting another single. Long sequences of good things happening are tougher to come by in the playoffs. It's much better to draw a walk and hit a home run, okay? Mm-hmm. That's that's the way I view it. And I think the numbers bear it out that the team with the most extra base hits tends to win every playoff game. <laughs> or most playoff games, excuse me. So the Twins have some of that capability, perhaps, if things go right this year. Yeah. I don't know. I think the
0: Guardians, they have the pitching, I think, to the capable of winning a World Series, even in the bullpen. Emmanuel Classe is is one of the most electric relievers in baseball. And they have the farm system to make a trade for a big star. I'm not gonna go as far as to say they could trade for Shohei Otani. I mean, they have the they have the farm system too if they really wanted to, but that's not really how they operate. But I, I think if they really wanted to go all in this year at the trade deadline they could move some of their top prospects to get some some big-time
2: bats in their lineup but that you know we're going to see well and that that frankly that comes down to ownership commitment too I mean we 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 talk about players and GMs a lot but a lot of times it comes down to the ownership will the ownership in Cleveland want to add 10 million dollars at the trade deadline to their salary cap, you know, to their their salary structure. Twelve million dollars, whatever. Is is a is a shot at winning a World Series worth it to them to add that payroll at the trade deadline. Some you know, to this point hasn't always been the case.
0: Yeah, but it's but what I mean, what they've been doing is working, and you can't deny that they've been probably one of the most successful teams in the AL Central. I know they didn't win a World Series, but they've come pretty close and have been uh, you know, finishing over five hundred for for most of the last decade. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it'll be an interesting division. I think people need to give it a little more credit. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think two teams from this division will make the playoffs. I think that would be really uh, surprising if if two teams from the Central made the playoffs. But obviously, no mention of the Tigers. You know, we're trying to be realistic here. They'll probably <laughs> they'll probably finish fourth or fifth, maybe if the White Sox collapse, a third place finish, but that's kind I, of just the reality of it
1: i i am kind of curious what what you guys do think for i don't know if you want to put a, a record out there right now for the tigers but i mean in my just in general of looking i know fangraphs put up that article or i think yeah i think it was fangraphs probably about a month or so ago just basically saying that it can't go any worse for the tigers this year just based on yeah. based on the injury luck and, and the performances that we saw i mean I mean, I guess I, I will say it's like I know that we got a lot of new faces and we're we're hoping on a lot of bounce backs with Torkelson scope. I know he's got the track record, but we'll we'll see how that situation uh is handled. And you you bring in Bierling and, and Mayton here too to kind of contribute with some of these um, battles. But I mean, I, I wouldn't be entirely shocked if the Tigers find themselves even like a seventy-five to eighty eighty win range just because again the the expectations of what they added with Erod and and Baez last year and, and then Meadows just before the season it's there's there's a lot of reason to think that they'll bounce back i mean i, I know maybe I'm thinking glass half full for a lot of this, but I mean there's the division really like we just walked through all these teams, and none of them are really no one's really sticking out as like man that this this team's so formidable that the Tigers can't at least hang with them so i I really just am I think that the Tigers can at least um take advantage of, of a very hodgepodge division to at least make it a competitive summer.
2: For me, I want, one thing, I've, I've made this joke before, but I've still, I'll say it again. I, you know, I The Tigers have a really wonderful opportunity. The great, they have great odds here to win the Comeback Player of the Year award. Because they had so many years, who had, so many guys that had bad years last year for various reasons. Somebody should pop back, right? And have a mm-hmm. good shot at the Comeback Player of the Year. I'm hopeful it's Austin Meadows. That would be my first choice. I'd love to see it. But Rodriguez and Baez, both, I mean, they were signed for a reason last year. They didn't come through. But both are legitimate guys who could have much better campaigns. So those three guys right there, if they suddenly become, you know, just slightly even above league average production, they take a big leap from what they produced last year. And then... To me, it all comes down to the only thing I'm really, really watching closely: Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson. They, to, for this team to go places, they have to be a big part of the equation. If that happens this year, then I think the window I'm about to give you for wins goes up. But right now, when we don't know what's going to happen, I have them about a 71 to 74 win window for wins this year, right in that range.
0: Yeah, I. I think Raj will be mad if we give our exact prediction. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold off at a later day, but Nick, I want to get your predictions. Give me like it, like your official, like exact win. Like what do you, how many wins?
1: I'm going to go optimistic and I'm going to say 77 wins for the Tigers. And that's, again, I'm, I'm very hopeful. Maybe that's that's ignorant to be hopeful, but I just, I I do think that like you, you mentioned you were just awesome Meadows. I think, him with his track record. And I don't know if he's going to be the 30 home run guy that we saw in Tampa in his all-star season, but I mean, I think that he can, that he can get to at least being a, a 15 to 20 homer guy. And I know he's, he struggled a little bit in spring, but he's starting to hit the ball a lot harder. And I, I honestly think too, a little bit of it, it's at some point Parker Meadows is going to be up. And I think that just a little bit of, of, Mojo playing with your brother and competing with your brother that, that I know he had the mental health struggles that he was going on with last year, but that, I think that that, that might play up to, to help him kind of ease into the role with the team here too, for a second season. Then, I mean, Javi Baez getting to spend some time with, with Hinch over the off season in Puerto Rico. Obviously, I'd kind of coming back from, from his situation. I think that there's, like, like I said, a lot that went wrong, but there's just, I'm hoping from a mojo perspective that at least just getting, getting things back together will at least create a positive vibe for this team. So that and Porkelson obviously showing a lot more confidence in being a little bit more relaxed here in spring training. I, I, I'm just hoping more so from from energy and positivity perspective that that's going to propel them into playing a lot better. Because in baseball, it's a lot of it's just feel and confidence and, and up, yeah. what's going on upstairs. So that can change a lot if things don't spiral.
0: Yeah. I don't want to give my exact prediction, but I will say, last year, 66 wins was... The absolute worst case scenario I don't know I don't know how you can go lower than that And I do want to say For everyone that is Down on the Tigers And saying Oh they're They're going to be One of the worst teams in the league I feel like a lot of those same people Were saying Going into last year This team could win 80 games This team could be You know Finish 500 or above 500 And You know Now they're this team got better at the end of the day. It got better. This team, the team, the 2023 Detroit Tigers are better than the 2022 Detroit Tigers. The same team, I saw that you for this, <laughs> the this this same team that a lot of people. Oh, well, that's a debate for another day. A lot of the same team, a lot of people were looking at that could be surprising. You know, all of these same people are now just kind of flipping the switch. And I understand last year was tough, I understand it was a long season. But this has happened before, you know, where teams have had bad years and then they bounce back. I don't want to give my official prediction, but I'm, I'm, I agree a lot with what Nick said. I think this team deserves a little more credit. And I think just like positivity is contagious, I think negativity is contagious. And I think, you know, everyone's kind of had their attitudes down on the Tigers. And I think that's kind of just, it's spread. And I think people are just kind of afraid to speak out and say some positive things about this team because, it's just been so negative for so long, but you—you you did say some positive things. I—I I was surprised. You—you you surprised I'm, me there. I, I'm a—I'm a. I'm a I'm
2: you're a realist. A font of positivity. Are you kidding? Oh. You? <laughs> Who's happier <laughs> than me? That's, that's true. That's true. Come on. Yeah, but I will say to the
0: Austin <laughs> the Austin Meadows point, I do really like the point of his brother being there, and just, you know, this is going to be. Uh, he's had a full off season to hopefully get used to Detroit and settle in. And I really would like to see him be in Detroit long-term. He has two years left, I believe, until he's a free agent. I would be okay with him being our long-term DH, maybe signing him into a deal to his early to to mid-30s. I would like to keep him around. I think, you know, like you said, he's going to be a lot more comfortable with his brother, and I think there's going to be a lot of good vibes there. And I expect to see a lot of good things from him for not only this year, but hopefully for the future as well.
2: It's an easy easy job to claim right now because Cabrera's going to retire, the job, the job is wide open. If he if he hits, they'll keep him around. It's a very simple thing. Hit, you got a job. Don't hit, you don't got a job. Yeah, well, we know he can't hit. He's shown that
0: before. But yeah, is there anything else you guys want to add,
2: go over before we get out of here? No, I just want to say, you know, Raj wanted to invite a loyal listener who asked a lot of great questions. He has started that with Nick tonight. Thanks for coming on. You were great. It was a lot of fun talking to you and meeting you.
1: Yeah, no, I I appreciate you guys extending the invite. Would have been good to have Rahalio and, and Chris on as well too, but I I appreciate you, you guys both, youper and John. Honestly, it was it was a blast. Looking forward to talking to you guys again over Twitter or or, or what have you. But yeah, hoping for a, a great Tiger season, and we'll be talking soon. I'm sure.
2: All right,
0: absolutely. But thank you guys so much for listening and or watching. This podcast should be up tomorrow, so make sure to listen. Well. If you guys have probably already watched the podcast, but maybe only caught parts of it, so if you want to listen to the whole thing, you make sure to check it out wherever you get your podcasts at, and make sure to subscribe. Tiger Minor League Report and to this YouTube channel as we're trying to get to a yeah.
2: thousand. If you're out there, you got to tell your uncles, your cousins, oh, your oh, brothers, okay. your
0: grandma. They we be we got to talk about this. You per- you have been on this podcast for how long, and it took you till today <laughs> to subscribe to it. <laughs> Better late than never, John. Did you even have YouTube? Do you know?
2: Well, you know a YouTuber. You had YouTube, right? Uh, Yeah, I guess I did, sure. But I just, I don't, I'm not a big YouTube user. uh, So, you know, I'm old, John. I I I understand. Look at, I still have this, John. I still have books. Okay. (laughs) Books. Yeah, I know you're not familiar with this concept, right? I still read a book now and then. So, I'm not always on YouTube like you kiddos.
1: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was going to be honest, I because it typically have following everything that you guys are putting up on on social media and in Twitter for the most part. So, but when you guys are talking about it, just hammering the subscribe button, I was like, okay, like let me let me just go on to my YouTube account and make sure that I'm I'm subscribing just to get get you guys over the hump. But I'm, I'm with you, you I'm not I'm not necessarily always on YouTube, but hey, anything anything to help the cause. So we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, definitely definitely recommend. I was checking out some content watched all the videos over the weekend so it was, it was it was definitely worth it
0: absolutely thank you Nick. but yeah thank you guys thank you everyone for being in the chat we'll see you probably again on thursday but for john for the other john for nick nick you did a great job of nothing but positive things to say about Appreciate you it.
2: we will see you guys in the next one take care